Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm and all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 7 Conquest. Mother, the guy's tail flecked in distress as she spoke hurriedly. You can't fight. Katash can handle the war on her own. There's no need for you to get involved. You're too important to us all to risk in combat. Katash nodded solemnly in agreement. Nearby Dallas looked upset and agitated but didn't voice her concerns. Benkracht was her normal self, present at the meeting of laments leaders, but... Betty paying attention as her tongue flicked out and tasted the night air. Daughters, Threedak's head bobbed as she acknowledged their concerns. Our tribe is not yet large enough that we can afford to have a queen that rests on her laurels. I have fought and killed more Dodge Tal than anyone here. I will keep myself safe and do my best to ensure the safety of my daughters. At least let me outfit you with proper armor. Bakai shuffled back onto her hind legs, reaching out plaintively with her graspers. I'm not capable of anything truly complex yet, but my apprentices and I have almost perfected a new blast furnace. From there, it's just a matter of figuring out the correct coke mixtures and we'll be able to make steel for you. I appreciate the concern, Threedak responded, shifting her bulk upon the couch. Trudy... I am blessed to have such daughters who care for me as much as you do, but I do not see the need for delay. My leathers have protected me since before you hatched. There is no need to delay operations just to replace them. Please, Bukai turned her head to Katash. Sister, tell mother that we have time to make her a set of armor. Talk her out of this foolishness. Bukai is right, Katash's deep voice filled the men's amphitheater of governance. Right now, we are only sending out scouts to figure out the position and number of the surrounding tribes. We won't be ready to actually attack until spring at the earliest. Your leadership and help would be appreciated, Mother, but here's enough time to prepare. Listen to Katash and Bakai, Dallas flicked her tail as she spoke, visibly nervous. No one is the key to the tribe as you are, Mother. The idea of you being hurt or killed in combat makes me physically ill. We need your presence to keep us steady. Even if we would still have you as a memory fragment, it wouldn't be the same. Threedak paused, letting her daughter's words flow into her. The torches of the amphitheater lit the five couches of covenants, padded construction of heart and fur, kithra, feathers, and wood. Her couch, that of the executive, sat on a raised dais of bricks with couches of industry, military, administration, and the arts of sitting on two steps below her. Behind them, in the darkness, was the other daughters sat in the nearby hills, observing the proceedings. The amphitheater of governance had been Dallas's idea, one that Threedak heartily endorsed. As Queen of Lament, she had final say on any proceedings, but she couldn't be everywhere at once. Instead, her firstborn served as representatives of the various elements of Lament society and advised her in a weekly public meetings. The process didn't dilute the concentrated executive power that Dutch Tall society would need to survive the coming years. 
but at the same time, it kept all her daughters involved and invested in the process of governance. Fine, she agreed, inclining her head towards Bukai's couch. I will participate in the attack, but it will be delayed so that I might be better outfitted. I would see my next generation of daughters arrive from the swamp before we set out anyway. It just wouldn't be right for them to join Lament without me being the first Dutch town to welcome them to our fold. In my absence, Thredak continued speaking over the murmur of agreement of her daughters. Dallas shall be the executive. She runs most of the day-to-day operations of Lament anyway, so putting her in charge won't be a major change for her routine. But month, Dallas squeaked, her tail thrashing dangerously. But nothing, daughter. Thredak interjected, chuckles at her distress. You'll need to learn to speak up for yourself at some point. I know that you're shy, but you are more capable than that. Your ideas and counsel have aided me immeasurably. It's simply time to force you to the front so that lament as a whole can benefit from your wisdom directly. Thalys's eyes flicked from side to side, seeking support from her sisters, only to find Bakai and Katash nodding in agreement. It's the right choice, sister, Bagai flicked her tongue out at the nervous Dutch towel. I'm too headstrong to lead. When I get an idea, I worry it like a last piece of meat on a bone until I came to a resolution. It's a good trait in a crafter or a scientist, but I recognize that it makes me a bit disagreeable and prone to distraction. Kadash leads in her own way, but she isn't equipped to fashion and design an army. Punkrak's head is in the clouds working on her secret project. But Darla sputtered helplessly before leaning back into her couch. Fine, it makes sense. I just don't, uh, I know, Rita finished for her daughter, smiling warmly at her. The plan was always been to make you my second. Your hesitance has only confirmed that. Any Dutch doll that would jump at the opportunity, snapping at the scraps of power, wouldn't be fit for the role. Lament needs a firm hand, one that'll rule it without corruption and self-interest. It'll be easier to develop the steel spine you'll need to hammer the right mindset into a stronger personality. Darla sighed in defeat as Threedak looked on, the glow of maternal pride in her chest. All of her daughters had grown and accomplished so much. Soon, another round of daughters and the first of her grandchildren would join Lament. Soon, the city would be growing exponentially as her granddaughters and great-granddaughters began joining in mass. She glanced briefly up at the stars in the sky, where once they seemed full of wonder and awe, completely beyond reach. Tonight, they were just a little closer. They may not be far down the path, but Lament was firmly growing towards a future of science and industrialization. The winter was bitterly cold, but blessed a little short. Katja's hunters couldn't venture out to gather fresh meat in the biting cold, so Lament had to rely on its game stock than Threedak would have liked. But before the long winter was over, and Bukai was fitting her with an outfit made from soft work leather to wear under her new armor. The armor itself was made of interlocking plates of steel, leaving her joints largely exposed. Bukai was incredibly apologetic about her inability to finally work the metal enough to create proper joints, but Threedak was more than happy. The entire process was a testament to Bukai's accomplishments and care. After years of laboring on her own great lament, it felt good to let her daughters fuss over her for once. 
In what seemed like a flash, three Dak found herself standing in the desert right next to Kutcha and five of her hunters. Each of them wore leather armor and metal bars embedded in it, darkened with soot from Lament's fires. All but three Dak had spear throwers and quivers with six iron-tipped javelins as well as heavy spears that required both graspers strapped onto their backs. Threedak felt little out of place with the sword and Bakai forced upon her and her staff sling, but together they would be more than enough for the trial ahead. Threedak gazed down at her former tribe as they huddled around their cave entrance, tearing at the remains of the desert scavengers. They didn't have bother to post a sentry as all of them frantically tried to consume as much meat as possible. Periodically, the feral Dodge doll would snap at each other, and each of them tried to ensure that they ate enough to sleep with a full stomach. The only exception was the tribal priest who sat to the side, leisurely consuming almost half of the total meat, a daughter beside her. Three Dacks snorted in disgust. Even years later, the tribe continued to its same backward patterns. None of the Dodge Tull but the priest received enough food, and few of any of them survived long enough to lay more than a couple clutches of eggs before being consumed by the tribe. There was no growth or challenge to the priests, just a steady continuation of their line of expense of the rest of the tribe. Their way of life was dead end, one that would hold the Dodge Tull back and impede their growth if allowed to continue. She puffed her throat pouches to their maximum size before letting out a bellow of challenge that reverberated through the empty desert night. Marlaj, she shouted, her voice startling and feasting desert tribe. I issue you a challenge. Lament claims this desert. Give us your memories and the rest of your tribe may survive as part of Lament. If you fight, the result will be the same. You will just waste my time and patience. The old priest squinted her eyes at the desert night, trying to make out where Three Dak stood on the nearby dunes. Around the priest, the twelve other members of the tribe dropped their food and frantically scrambled for their weapons. A motley collection of stone-tipped spears and clubs made of animal bones. Show yourself, interloper, Marlaja's aged voice croaked in reply. The priest stood on her hindmost pair of legs, balancing herself with a tail. Clearly, she was trying to impose the attackers with a bulk. Admittedly, she was huge, fattened on the years of labor and sacrifice from her tribe. The will of the desert will drive you away. If you leave now, we won't pursue. Enough of this, Katash mumbled, chopping her arm down towards her hunters. The priest rumbles and pops her pouches at mother. Silence, sir. Silently, five spears traced through the night sky towards the confused camp of the desert tribe. They were far enough away that even the experienced hunters couldn't all hit, but two of them did. Marlage suddenly sprouted two shafts, collapsing to the sand with a warble of surprise, her tail thratching in agitation. The rest of the tribe paused, staring at their dying leader dumbly, before they tried to make out the source of the attacks. Their answer came in the form of another wave of spears, wooden throwers whistling slightly in the still night air as the hunters spun them to propel the payload at their waiting opponents. Another two dodged tall fell to the sand, spears sticking out of them as they writhed. One of the desert tribesmen pointed to the dune the hunters stood on and exclaimed with a trumpet of alarm. They charged, only for another three to fall as a third wave of spears landed amongst them. 
the remaining eight, puffing with exertion from the climbing and shifting sands of the dunes at full speed, reached them. Threedak swung the awkward sword. It wasn't balanced nearly as well as the blades from her human memories, but she would never tell Bakai that. As far as her daughter was concerned, the weapon was perfect and her armor fit perfectly and without chafing. She was simply too proud of how far Bakai had come to ruin their relation with minor complaints. The blade cut through the spear thrusting towards her. The mismatched and untreated wood no challenge for even the simplest of steel. Her opponent gaped at her for a second, eyes nictating in wonder as she stared at the broken spear and Threedak at back again. Threedak didn't give her an opportunity to regain her wits, instead thrusting the sword forward through the tribeswoman's chest. The scales only resisted and the sword for a second before the hilt of the blade slammed into her torso. She tried to bleat in surprise, fading as her collapsed lung struggled to fill her pouches. Threedak withdrew the sword before slashing downwards. The blade bit deep into her opponent's neck, eliciting a fountain of blood on the injured dodge towel fell to the sand. She rocked forward with a dull clang as the club struck her in the back of the head. Threedak spun around, locking eyes with the tribeswoman behind her. The dodge towel scurried backwards, dropping the club. Idly, she noted that the club appeared to have cracked from the femur of a starbuck. She kicked the weapon aside in the middle of the legs as she stalked towards her assailant, sword in a guard position. Mercy! Her opponent squealed, throwing her body flushed to the sand in submission. I beg mercy! Threedak stopped, her blade still pointing at a surrounding foe. The three other surviving members of the desert tribe capitulated around her. Of her daughters, only one had cut her forearm from the tribeswoman's spears. Other than that, the desert tribe was subdued without any further difficulty or casualty. She paused on the dune to observe the nine bodies littering the sand. Crooning to herself, Lament's first conquest was complete. Her daughters would eat well this week. End of chapter and that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.